This is David's Book Talk, bringing authors and book lovers together in a unique way since 2009. Visit us at davidsbooktalk.com and join the conversation at facebook.com slash davidsbooktalk. But first, pull up a chair, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Here's your host, David English. Hello and welcome to David's Book Talk. And today we're going to talk to one of my favorite authors, yes, Karen Slaughter, the wonderful writer and her new book is called pieces of her and it's out from William Morrow everywhere it's got a nice I like the red on the side of the book I love that color how are you I'm great how are you doing I'm, I'm doing, I always remark about the cover and stuff when I talk to the authors it's weird how I do that but I it's so interesting when you're reading a book to like the way it looks you know the look of a book is really important yeah, you know, and it's funny because they always do the jacket, like they want to have it well ahead of time. And with this particular jacket, they had something completely different because they did it before I finished the book. And when we got the jacket, my agent and I were kind of like, ah, crazy about this. But then they got the rest of the book and they sent us a new jacket. It was this one with the Polaroids. And right. we were, everybody was like, oh, my God, this is it. This is so great. Huh. This this is so different from anything you've ever written in the past. I mean, I, just reading it, I think, wow, this is like, I've never read anything like this from her before. Is Was that intentional? Well, yes and no. You know, I mean, the thing is, you know, you've, been, you've known me for a really long time, and yes. you know my goal with each book is always to do something a little different and to make sure that I'm growing as a writer. And I, you know, I don't want to tell the same story over and over again. It's right. one of the reasons why I do standalones, because I want to make sure that I'm keeping my Will Trent and Sarah Linton series as fresh as I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with this, this, I think, you know, coming off writing my last standalone, The Good Daughter, which was very emotional, very um, intense in a different way, I wanted to do something different. And, you know, I mean, maybe this is a little lighter uh, than than The Good Daughter. It would be hard to go darker. Yeah. (laughs) But um, it it is a different type of writing. You know, it's the first book I have a road trip in, which I really wanted, had wanted to be doing for a long time because I've been touring almost 20 years and I've seen every state in the union except for Alaska. So I thought, well, this is a chance to write a story where someone has to go on the road and kind of find themselves. Because I've always loved that kind of story, you know, where the further away you get in distance from home, the more you turn into the person who you need to be. Yeah, and and Andy's not the most likable Andrea and Andy is not the most likable person in the world. I mean, there's a lot. She's a very strange creature, and I, I and as we as we read more of the book, we start to realize how strange she really and and Laura too. But I mean, there's such a strangeness of these two characters. Well, you know, I mean, I think that's what makes them interesting, and it takes a lot of trust in the reader for the writer to write a character. It's okay not to like. You know, hopefully as the book went on, I mean, you have this central mystery at the beginning that keeps you reading. But hopefully as the book went on, you got to understand Andy and 
figure out who she is and why she's doing the things she's doing and what's really formed her as a person. And, you know, she's put through the ringer in this book and it changes who she is in a lot of ways. You know, mm-hmm. it makes her grow up and makes her kind of stop being an amoeba floating around in a Petri dish and kind of take the reins of her own life. Um, and that, to me, that was really interesting because, you know, in, I, I, one of the, I, I love listening to other authors being interviewed and, Years ago, I think I uh, got it. Was it Curtis Sidden or somebody like that? Oh, yeah. The thing is, when a woman writes an unlikable character, everybody thinks it's a mistake. Uh, And, you know, I... As you know, in my Grant County series, I had Lena Adams. In my Wiltshire series, I have uh, Angie and Amanda. And I, I think that you have to trust the reader that they understand. Hey, look, it's okay if you don't like this. Right. If you, if you find this character unlikable. Um, but your characters are. I want, are, what, I want you, you to be interested in them. Right. Exactly. I'm sorry to interrupt. I've got so many. I've got so much excitement. You know, because your characters are so wonderful. You're so you're so good at writing good characters, three dimensional characters, characters that we care about, characters that we we want to see end up. With, but they don't always end up in a good in a good place. They they go to very deep dark places, and and yet it's fascinating. Your books are just totally fascinating. Well, I appreciate that, you know, and it's very much by design that I make my characters this way because I don't know any women really in my life who are completely one-dimensional like a lot of women you can find in in novels, and not just crime fiction, but novels in general, you know. They're not just there to be the superhero's girlfriend. And I, from the very beginning, wanted to write about women in a realistic way. And so, you know, writing about my character Sarah Linton, for instance, I thought, well, she's a doctor, she's got a nice boyfriend, she has her own job. She's respected in the community. I need to be really careful because a lot of people would hate her for having all those things, right? Because right. women can't necessarily be perfect and celebrated for it. I mean, you know I love Lee Child. He's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But Jack Reacher, if Jack Reacher was a woman and was that perfect, people would hate her. You right? think so? Because it, oh. I do. I do. Because there's... You know, and, and not maybe not men as much as women, because women can look at another picture of a woman without even knowing her and just hate her, right? Really? Mm. I mean, there's this sort of intrinsic, um, I, I don't want to say competition, but, you know, when I first started writing about Sarah, I was really careful about those things because I knew... And also was getting feedback. You know, Sarah's too perfect. I don't, you know, I don't like her as much as Lena because Lena's flawed and things like that. And it's not so much that way anymore. You know, I think that we've become accustomed to women as antiheroes in a way we weren't when I first started writing. And so you can write a character like Sarah or you can write, I can write a character like Andy or her mother Laura where they're not perfect people, but they're not so flawed that they're irredeemable. And that's, I mean, one of the great things about writing crime fiction today is women don't have to just be one thing or the other. And I wonder, have you ever written a dull character? I don't think, I don't ever remember one in any of your books. Well, I hope not. Uh, You know, I think when you make a character dull or uh, don't 
flesh them out properly, that that's a, a sure clue that that person is either about to be murdered or they are the murderer. So I, I try not to do that kind of thing. Right. Well, you, you can even have sympathy for the murderer. I mean, look at you look at Hannibal Lecter. People liked him despite the fact that he was a, a, a mass killer. I mean, people still had that that fascination with him. So you could still do it even if the person's a, done some awful, awful things. Well, you know, I mean, Hannibal Lecter is a perfect example. If, if you think about him in the book and the movie, you really don't know how horrific he is until you're already into the novel, right? Right. And then it's like, oh, my God. Okay, well, it's one thing to know this guy's a serial killer. It's another thing to see what that is in bloody detail. So, you know, as far as, it's sort of like the Jaws school of writing where you don't show the the Jaws until you're halfway through the movie. Um, And then it's terrifying, right? Exactly. Um, and, And I think that kind of patience in writing is a really big strength that a lot of writers don't have, you know? There's a tendency to try to tell it all at the beginning. And, you know, one thing I was doing with Pieces as Her is I just wanted to dole out enough information with each chapter so that you're getting, as a reader, a really good mystery, but you're also able to put the pieces of the puzzle together for yourself as it goes along. But then there's that page, and I can't—I don't want to say what page it is, where something so unbelievable happens that I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I think I've read the wrong book. <laughs> And you know, I think you know what page I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. But I'm thinking, wait a minute. Now, how is this going to be explained? You know, you and I—I I, I don't want to say too much because it'll give something away. But I mean, obviously, you did it on purpose. Obviously, there's an explanation. Obviously, I'm gonna when I, when I finish the book, I'm gonna totally understand everything, right? Right, exactly. And you know, I mean, the thing is, we both read a hell of a lot of crime novels, and we know basically the the pattern that some novels take, right? I mean, it, it, some, it, let's be honest, some have a formula, and I, I, I try very hard not to have a formula, uh, and part of that comes just from knowing the regular beats of a lot of crime novels, and so, you know, I, I was writing in, in the first part of the book, and I thought, I know exactly where this would go to if this was just a run-of-the-mill crime novel, and so I want to make sure that on that page you're talking about, the reader's like, holy crap, what just happened? Everything I thought was wrong. That's exactly the way I felt, too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But that's the fun of reading a crime novel, is that shock and surprise and and kind of thinking, that nervousness of, well, what's going to come next, right? I don't want to tell people what page it is, because I'm afraid they're going to go right to that page and and, and start there, and then I'll be in trouble for giving something away. You're up to, what is it, 35 million copies? of your books in print, I mean, that's a, such a staggering number. And, it is, yeah. And you're, you're in Entertainment Weekly this week. I got the copy the other day, and I'm reading it t- I'm reading it last night, and I think, oh, my God, I know this woman. And it's, it's such a thrill to see it. And, and all that now you're going to have all that extra exposure because of that, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, and also I've subscribed to Entertainment Weekly basically from the first one that had Madonna on the cover. I'm a big Madonna fan, you know, as are most women of my generation. And it, it just seeing it, I mean, yeah, I've written a lot of books. I've, I've sold a lot of books, but seeing it Entertainment Weekly, like in my printed edition that was in my mailbox, it was like, oh, wow, look, I've really made it. But I mean, you knew you were going to be in it, right? I mean, you knew it was going to happen. Yeah, 
Hey, you. Well, yeah, but you know they don't tell you it's going to be an entire page, or you know they don't give you details. They just say, "Hey, you're going to be in it," and you know you just hope it's bigger than a box that's pulled out at the top. But I, you're not that old either. I'm surprised you even know me. <laughs> I'm older than you think. You don't, but you never, you never age. You're, every time I see you, and you're all over the internet because you're doing all kinds of signings and stuff. But every time I see you, you look exactly the same as you did the last time I saw you. Well, thank you, David. You, you too. <laughs> you haven't seen me in a while. <laughs> but, but what pieces of her was it? Was this the most difficult book you've ever written? Well, yes and no. I mean, every book I write is the most difficult book I've ever written. I mean, when you I really feel that way daughter, while you're writing? Yeah. God, when I finished The Good Daughter, I just slept for a week because it was so draining, just the, the physical writing and the emotional uh, parts of it. This was different in a way because I was writing about things that um, I did a lot of research on, you know, like uh, playing the piano features right. in this novel, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I took piano lessons as a kid, but like most Every kid who took piano lessons, I hated every second of it. I never practiced, and it was a great relief for me and my piano teacher when I was finally allowed to quit. But, you know, now suddenly I'm writing this book, and I need to know about, you know, hey, what do people think when they're playing the piano? What are these notes? What are the terms? And, you know, I don't know if you've ever done a music review, but they're so – I adjectives to describe music are so subjective, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, one man's wham is another man's Beatles, right? right. It's, it's, it's really hard to describe that emotional ex experience that someone gets from listening to a really good song, right? Because yeah. you just don't, it's, it's, there's no formula. It's all kind of this kind it of It provides so much joy. The right, music. right. There's a, there's but, you a, know, we could be listening to the same th song, and you could be thinking, "I God, please turn this music off, right? So I, I talked to professional pianists and professional musicians about the language of writing about music for this book. And I, you know, that was something that was always at the forefront of my mind, is this is not something that comes naturally for me, because I don't write about music a lot. Right. Um, so I wanted to be able to, to sound competent about it. And, you know, of course, the great thing about having sold so many books and done this for so long is I have these contacts where I can say, hey, can I talk to this uh, musician who's currently touring with this ginormous rock band uh, about what it's like to be that kind of musician? And you did that? Yeah. Oh, hell, you can't say who it was. <laughs> well, I think, um, I think both of them in the back of the book. So oh, really? Put their names up there, yeah. And, you know, they were just amazing people. And, I mean, you know this about me. I'm always fascinated in people who are fascinated about very specific things, whether it's playing the piano or collecting feathers from different types of birds or coins or stamps. You know, any anytime someone is really passionate about something, I just find that fascinating, right, that they know all the nuance and details and the language of collecting, uh, you know, whatever they're collecting. You know, like coins, there's so many different ways to describe 
coins uh, that you would never think of if you weren't a coin collector and the lingo and all that. I, I just love knowing those things and, and putting them in books because I think it gives it a real sense of authenticity. And I know just from my research about some things, when I read a book and, you know, like I read this book years ago uh, where the author had a character go into a gun range and there was a glass door between the shooting range and the shop. And I thought, have you ever been to a gun range? No, there's not a glass door. <laughs> it's, there's a, it's like Jurassic Park, you know. You don't have both doors open at the same time, and they're soundproofed. And, you know, she's writing about a certain type of weapon, and clearly she's never held this weapon before because you can't, you know, it's one of the few that has a different type of safety. And, you know, when I run across that kind of stuff, it just makes me so angry because, you know, that, that kind of thing, you can go on the Internet these days. Right, and you can find somebody, usually in Texas, who loves that type of gun and can tell you every single thing about it and all the neat stuff about it that the average person doesn't know. Because that's what I like to put in the books is that stuff that I don't think the average person knows, and to kind of give them uh, the feeling that they are getting an authentic story when they read the book. Right. Well, your books are never, uh, they're always long, which is nice, and they're always interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting outside t uh, today just reading it, enjoying it, and it's like listening to music. It's like when you love an author, you know, the, the more you read them, the more you get into it, and you don't want to do anything else. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and read this book all day, you know, and, and that's how you feel when you love an author so much. And you, you, well, thank you, David. And you—that really is what makes makes me feel so good when I when I read your books and I when I get into the novel and I think, what's she going to do next? What does this woman have up her sleeve? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just I, I I feel that way too. I just had that same feeling because I got Lee Child's new book that's out in November. Oh, you lucky and, son of a gun! <laughs> and just when I like opened the package and saw what it was, I just felt calm, right? Because I thought. I know this is going to be a good book, right? Right. I mean, and everybody, I mean, now that we have the Internet and streaming and all these other things that can get our attention, I think it's so important to be able to trust an author is going to give you a good story because it's going to make, you know, you just know it's going to be worth your time. Right. And because and, it takes several hours to read a book, right? Not to mention mm -hmm. if you buy it, how many hours of your life depending on how much you weigh, make. I mean, if you're if you're making minimum wage and you buy a hardcover book, that's usually like three hours of your life. Yeah, exactly. Not to mention the time to read it. And, you know, when you get a book by an author you love, you just, it, it makes you feel calmer. It makes me feel calmer because I think I'm, I'm in good hands. Do you, are, you a, are you afraid of people's reaction to this book? When, I mean, because it's so different? Were, were, were you a little scared before it came out? Actually, it comes but, out know, next week, but... Yeah. Well, it's out been out, I mean, in Australia and New Zealand and Holland and Belgium and England already. Mm -hmm. And and it's been, I mean, based on what I've seen online, I mean, it was number one in Holland for eight weeks, which is really great. Um, but it, it, people have been really loving it, you know. But I do worry that 
it's a little different from what people are used to. Right. And, you know, it might take them a little while. Or it doesn't have Will Trent in it. Everybody wants Will Trent. Well, I yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. And, you know, I was I was touring in the Netherlands, and they were like, oh, we love this book, but when's the next Will Trent? And I'm like, okay, well, can we just enjoy this book for a little while? Because right. it was a year of my life. People are so stubborn, aren't they? Hours. They are, and I understand that, you know, because I like my series books, too. But I, I think... I always think about the fact as a writer that I love Will Trent, too. I mean, I love writing about him and Sarah. I'm working on the next one that will come out next year, um, and I've, I've got the opening already. I've been doing research for it, and I'm really into the characters, and I'm absolutely loving writing the story. But the reason why is because I was able to take some time off and write a couple of different books, like The Good Daughter and Pieces of Her, and, and explore new things. And, you know, I don't want to write a Will Trent book because everybody wants me to write a, a Will Trent book. I want it to be a really great book. And that's what it takes. You know, I'm not a writer like Lee. I mean, every Jack Reacher is fantastic, uh, except maybe that one. But, you know, <laughs> he's really, he's excited about these stories, and, and I love reading them, and he loves writing them, and that's great. But I can't deliver Will Trent stories every year right, and exactly. have them be as good as I want them to be and as readers want them to be, honestly. I mean, you don't want me to write a crappy Will Trent book. Um, and so writing pieces of her, it was it's, it's nice to step away. And, you know, this is a story with pieces of her that would fit in the Will Trent universe, but it's one that I was really excited about telling. Mm -hmm. uh, and I thought it would be interesting to write a mother-daughter relationship. I thought... You know, it wasn't deliberately done in a way to appeal to readers who haven't necessarily read me before. But I, after I finished it, I thought, well, you know, this might have, uh, you know, my, my wheelchair readers love their sex and violence. Right. Um, and some people are, aren't as much into that. And I thought, well, you know, just like not even on purpose, this might appeal to, to people who aren't necessarily attracted to those things. I mean, certainly it does have a lot of sex and violence because I can't not write a book like that but you know it does have a different tone and, and that's what people say people meet you and they say this woman's writing these books <laughs> I, mean, you, you don't, I mean you look I mean you're, you're I don't know how tall you are but you're not intimidating with your height no, so we say true. but and people think and, and I thought that when the first time I met you, I thought, my God, this is Karen Slaughter? This woman who wrote these, these really graphic? <laughs> and I'm sure you've gotten that reaction from a number of different people. I'm sure I'm not the only one that thought that. But but then you're like, well, of course anybody can write. You know, it's not it's not how you yeah. look. It, it's how it's how talented you are. And you obviously are a huge talent. I mean, we wouldn't be talking now if you weren't. Because, you know, if I don't like a book, what's the sense of talking to the author? Yeah. Well, I mean, you've met enough of us now to know that none of us looks like what we write. <laughs> That's you right. know, I mean, Mike Connolly is such a teddy bear, and Jeff Deaver, I mean, he just looks like an academic, even though he's like, his <laughs> secret wish would be to, like, just be a talk show guy. And, you know, I mean, I, I think part of the thing is we all get it out on the page, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that I think it makes it easier. It's very cathartic to be able to do that. Like, I mean, right now, politically, socially, if you watch the news all day, you could just be a very angry person all of the time. Uh, but being able to get that on the page and express 
what you would like to do through characters, I think, is a real good way to work that out. And then you have Jane in this novel, and Jane is extraordinary. As soon as Jane appears on the page, she's like, she's like riveting. It's like, wow, this is a woman I want to know more about. You know, and that's how we feel. And I know you've, you've already said she's one of your favorite characters. You really, is she that enjoyable to write? And was she yeah, for this she book? Is. You know, I mean, so uh, Jane's story takes place in the 1980s, and it, that's a time period that I'm familiar with. Um, I wasn't Jane's age. She's much older than me. Um, but I think a lot of people have forgotten what the 1980s was like. I mean, we had a lot of social changes, and we had ACT UP, right? We mm-hmm. had the AIDS, the AIDS crisis. We had all of these things going on that... I think inform where we are now as as Americans, specifically as Americans. Um, and I thought this would be a good way to write about that. People were really, really angry in the eighties, um, and you know, a lot of people look back at that time with a, a great amount of nostalgia, and you know, talk about Reagan and sort of deify Reagan, and you know, a, a lot of things did change that were positive. Mm-hmm. for a lot of people then, but a lot of things changed that were negative for some people too. So I, I just thought it would be really interesting to write about that time period as a reflection on things that are happening today in one in one way, but you know, a lot of the policies and deregulations that happened in the 1980s um, are still in effect today. Um, some of them are even uh, at crisis points. You know, one of the things I talk about is the mental health care system. You know, that was something that was mm. basically crippled in the 1980s. Um, and you had a, 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 a budget that was put forward uh, and passed that cut funding for state mental hospitals. And so a lot of people who were in mental hospitals were basically homeless after this funding was cut. And, you know, that's something we're seeing the effects of today, that the prison systems in America buy more antidepressants and antipsychotics than any other industry because something like, forty what is it, 45% of the, the inmates in federal prisons, or not federal prisons, state prisons, have some sort of diagnosed mental illness. Wow. Scary. I mean, just as just as like someone who thinks capitalism is a great idea, it would seems to me it would be a hell of a lot cheaper to give them treatment in mental facilities than it would be to incarcerate them in prisons. Right, and that's what as, you, you, as a writer, and you get to go to when you have all your book events, you get to sound off on things too, which is off. It's got to be it's got to be a little bit of fun to do that. Sound off on things Absolutely. that are bothering me. You know, this is not a Democrat or Republican or Libertarian or it green issue, right? I mean, I think we can all agree people with mental illnesses need help, right? Right, yeah. Um, and, and so I think it's good to be able to talk about these things, whether it's in an event or, you know, expressing my views through fiction. Right, and you and you being as famous as you're getting more and more with each book, I mean, you, you have that fear, too, that, that you know, you're meeting all these different people. What if, I'm latches, what if one of them latches on to me, you know? There's all those little fears at the back of your head. I'm sure you think about that sometimes. Not that you want well, to dwell you know, on it. I think all women think about that. You know, whether they're writers or they're any any woman in the the public arena is going to be very conscious of the fact that there are some crazy people out there. Right. Exactly. I remember being at an event for Tammy Hogan, and, and a guy latched onto her at the King of Prussia Mall, and it was it was scary. 
Yeah. It was yeah. a little was a little because you didn't know what his, his agenda was. That's that's the scariest part. You don't know what they have in mind. Right. Right. Yeah. And, they could be perfectly nice, but it's just <laughs> they're not presenting themselves that way. So yeah. how do you go back and forth when you do a standalone? I think go back to Will Trent and whoever you go back to all your different characters. Is that difficult to remember where you left off and to and to to keep up the the quality of it because you go back and forth? Well, you know, one of the things that I normally do when I finish a Will Trent is I'll write a few pages for the next book um, just to make sure that I keep the tone and I keep the characters in the same place. And the the kept woman had a little bit of a cliffhanger between Will and Sarah, uh, and I wanted to keep the tone of that uh, going into the next book. So I pulled out those pages when it was time to write the next book, and it put me right back into the story. Oh, that's that's clever. Boy, you do work yeah. hard. You do work hard at these books. <laughs> do you think people realize how hard you really it really is for you to write? I mean, how 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 much you how much work goes into it? Do you think people realize that? Or is it just? Well, I hope not, because the whole point is for them not to notice it. And <laughs> I think that's true with every job. You know, we don't, whether we choose not to or, you know, it, it seems really artless. I mean, you know, maybe when we go to a doctor, we think about how many years they spent in, in medical school, and we hope that they were the best student there. But, oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, for the most part, I think part of the job a writer has is not making it obvious that the writer is telling the story. It needs to be all about the characters, about the plot, and about the reader's engagement with them. But you want them to, at the same time, I'm sure you want them to appreciate what you go through to get a book done. Because there's people that, you know, they read your book in two hours and, like, where's the next one? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, that, it, 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 it's actually kind of flattering if someone does that. I mean, one, it's a miracle if they could read that many pages in two hours. I, I, I'd like to do, a like, a comprehension test on them. But, I, you know, that's fine. That The person who just gets it as a quick read and has a good two hours, I think that's great. Because, you know, everybody gets something different from books. And I could read... Janet Ivanovich and, you know, say, to, and you could read the same thing and you could say, wow, you know, I really love that scene with Ranger, you right. know, and I, that could be like the scene that I don't remember at all. You know, every, that's the great thing about reading is you bring your own experience to the novel. And as a writer, I can never anticipate what your experience is. All I can do is try to write a story that, you know, if you want to read it quickly on the beach while you're trying to make sure your kids aren't killing each other, you can read it that way. Or if you want to like get a blanket and you're on your couch just reading with your cat and you know a couple of days that's fine too you know i think anytime anyone's reading whatever they can get out of the story that serves them best right is, is the best thing that can happen for wow. them now cop town and the good daughter are going to be are they going to be on tv or in the movie theaters television it's going to be television yeah. for both yeah and it, yeah. it, it's a definite deal. It's not one of those things where it's going, maybe going to happen and then going. It, it's definitely going to happen. Well, it's still Hollywood, but you know, and also pieces of her has been um, optioned by the same people who did Big Little Lies. Wow, that's exciting! Uh, and wild, yeah. So um, hopefully, we'll have some really good news coming up about that. But the people they've attached are just amazing. Uh, Charlotte Stroud is uh, Stout is the a writer from House of Cards and Homeland. And Leslie Lincoln Gladder has worked on everything from Mad Men to NYPD Blue to uh, Homeland. Oh I mean, she's, she's just pretty amazing. And, you know, honestly, 
it, even if nothing happens, just being able to sit down and talk to these two amazing women right. uh, and talk to Bruna Papandrea, who's the producer at Made Up Stories. I mean, it, it's it's really a great opportunity just to be around someone who really knows what they're talking about. So we're still going to see some standalones from you. You said the next one's a Will Trent, but there's still going to be more standalones down the road, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's good to hear. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> Not that I don't love the series, but I want to. I want the standalones too. But we have to. Okay. Let, we have to let you go because you're. I think you have another interview scheduled. It's been so wonderful, Karen. As Me always. Too. Thank you, Dave. I never have enough time with you. That's the problem. <laughs> and the book again is called Pieces of Her. It's by Karen Florida. In the on the twenty first. Uh, it's the twenty first. It comes out right next next Tuesday. In yeah. all in the United States, but it's already out. You said in Britain and a couple other countries. Yep. Yes. And this has been David's Book Talk, and we'll talk to you next time. You have just enjoyed the podcast of David's Book Talk, brought to you by your host, book lover, David English. Please visit us at davidbooktalk.com, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and subscribe to our podcast. We want to hear from you, and we don't want you to miss our upcoming shows with top authors like Mary Higgins Clark, Patricia Cornwell, Lisa Scottolini, Jackie Collins, Nelson DeMille, Michael Connolly, Sue Grafton, Steve Martini, Dale Brown, David Baldacci.